0: Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position we want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps or better yet blaze your own trail so sit back and relax as felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers
1: hello this is felicia gopal for the career 100 podcast i want to thank everybody for listening I wanted to start today with something a little bit different, which is why I started this podcast. Many of you know that I believe very vigorously in a college education, but many of you may not know the story of why this podcast started. It really started because what I found is our children often are not exposed to the very different career. I mean, they know Dr lawyer, Indian chief types of careers, but they don't necessarily know the ins and outs of various different careers. And oftentimes, because of that, they make choices when they go into college, as well as going through college, that may not be the correct fit for them later on in life. And so this podcast series was really designed to introduce our youth to various different professionals who are currently working in the career fields, who could talk about what they love about their particular career, as well as tell a little bit about the education and some of the challenges that they have in their career. And that's really why I put together this podcast series. Today's guest started a podcast for the public but shifted to a podcast for new and practicing professionals. I'm hoping that during our interview today, he's going to share why he made the change because I think it really fits very well with the general tone of what we're looking for. Dr. Thomas Lamar is a practicing chiropractor in the small town of Kingston, Washington, where he resides on a format with his wife and seven children. He obtained his Bachelor's of Science degree. In biology in 1992 from the University of California, Riverside, and his doctorate in chiropractic in 1995 from the Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. In addition to serving his community for the past 16 years, Dr. Lamar is the host, along with his 12-year-old audio engineer son of Spinal Column Radio. Now, I'm excited to hear that because I've got an 11-year-old who's been looking for a job, and maybe she can become my audio engineer, uh, which is an internet radio show for the chiropractic professional and enthusiast. Dr. Lamar, welcome to my show, please.
2: Felicia, thank you so much for having me. What an honor. And I was just listening to your introduction. I'm like, wow, this sounds like a really interesting podcast. Can't wait to hear it. And then I realize I'm on it. So Yes,
1: absolutely. You're on it. So, you know, I met Dr. Lamar through a podcasting course I took through Cliff Ravenscroft called Podcasting A to Z. And really, I took that course because I was looking to not only reach a broader audience, but also to really just take my podcast to the next level. That's one of the things you'll hear Cliff talk about a lot in his own podcast is taking it to the next level. Today's guest, Dr. Lamore, has got a podcast series that is at the next level. So he has got a podcast that I am looking to model myself after. So Dr. Lamore, tell me, how did you become a chiropractor?
2: Well, let's see. That's a great question. I have always been interested in the human bodies ever since I can remember, and I came from a family with a lot of doctors in it. No chiropractors, interestingly. Lots of medical doctors, some nurses, uh, some surgeons. Uh, there was, I think, there's a podiatrist in there somewhere. The point is, is that you know I was kind of steeped in healthcare already, so I decided I was going to become a medical doctor actually. And all throughout high school, I took courses that kind of geared towards that end, got into college, started actually volunteering at a local hospital, which was a great program. I got to don a, a doctor's coat and put a stethoscope on and, and kind of follow the medical students around. and did that for three straight years. And you know, during that time, while I was at the University of California, Riverside, I was taking some very rigorous courses and volunteering at the same time. And then I realized, I kind of woke up one day and I said to myself, I don't know if I really want to do this, but yet I still felt this strong tug towards healthcare. I knew I was in kind of the right, you know, the right general region, but I didn't know if medicine was really where it was at. I mean, it just was kind of a default, you know, decision that I made based on what I had already known And so I decided to kind of open up my blinders, if you will. And at that time, when I was kind of struggling with that decision, there was a health careers fair that was being held at the college I was at. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to that fair tonight. And I'm going to talk to each and every table that's there. And I don't care, you know, what they represent or whatever it is, I'm just kind of going with an open mind and start talking to people. And... I started talking to, you know, the dentist and the podiatrist and the physical therapist. I came across this guy who was a chiropractor. And frankly, I didn't know a whole lot about chiropractic, interestingly. But I talked with him and I took his brochures. This is kind of pre-internet. So you can't really, couldn't do a Google search back then. (laughs) All right. Um, So I came home and I had this big stack of all these brochures. And I just started kind of reading each one and going through and making different priority piles. And that chiropractic one kept making the cut each and every time. I was like, this is really weird because they're talking about, you know, helping people through healthcare and whatnot. But, they're able to help people, you know, without using medication. This is this is interesting. I this just rocked my world. And so I wanted to know more about that. And so I picked up the phone and I called the guy that was at that health fair and I said, Hey, do you think I could ask you some questions? He said, Sure, come on over. I end work at you know five o'clock on Monday. And I went over there and I probably spent about three or four hours with the guy. And I think that's kind of when I started to fall in love with chiropractic and just this idea that. Well, we're going to talk more about what chiropractic is, but I just fell in love with the idea of becoming a chiropractor. So I, I, you know, I opened up the yellow pages and I started calling different chiropractors and saying, hey, do you think I could come over and ask you some questions? I'm thinking about becoming a chiropractor. And so I I started interviewing lots of chiropractors, which I think is a really good idea for any of your students that are listening right now. You know, people that are are wanting to go into different careers, regardless of the career could be chiropractor, could be, you know shoe salesman, you know, go interview people that do the job and ask them questions and don't interview just one, interview them a lot of them. And, you know, so I started doing that and I just really, I got more and more excited about becoming a chiropractor. And you know what was so great, Felicia was in that last year of, of college at UC Riverside. Once I decided I wanted to become a chiropractor, every class that I took from then on out, I would ask myself, how can I use this class to be a better chiropractor? And my grades shot up through the roof. I was excited about going to class and it was just, I had direction, I had purpose, and it was, it was awesome. So that's how I decided to become a chiropractor. And then kind of the side story there is I also was somebody who suffered with lower back pain throughout my entire teenage life. I lifted a snow cone machine at the age of 14 and that was pretty much it. Okay. And so I just kind of learned to live with low back pain. And eventually my parents took me to the doctor. And it was pretty much an uneventful experience. He said, try to, you know, bend down, touch your toes. And I did that. And then he said, well, I'm going to write you a prescription for Naperson. You sprained your back. And then he said, no PE. And so I was here. I was, I had to sit on the bench and I had to take Naperson. And I, I had back pain that would just kind of come and go on a regular basis. Like every three, four months, I just, bam, I'd be hit with back pain. And I'd be incapacitated for a week or two. And that's kind of how I lived my teenage life. So... I was never more happy to have low back pain when I was making this decision. <laughs> I lifted the Christmas tree wrong out of the car and back pain came back. I'm like, I'm going to go give this thing a shot. Well, suffice it to say, I had, a, I had what we call a miracle chiropractic adjustment because my back pain went totally away. And I really don't have back pain to this day anymore. But you know what? And we're going to talk about this a little bit later because I don't want to leave the wrong impression. Chiropractic has nothing to do with back pain. So... Next question.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting that you should say how you got into chiropractic. By training, I'm a certified financial planner. And how I decided to do that is I was feeling some discontent with my job. I started to notice that I kept on changing jobs every couple of years. There was nothing wrong with the job. It's just like I just started to, you know, it's time for me to move. And I finally realized that it was the accounting that I was doing at the time that was not interesting to me. And because of that, you know, I could take it for a couple of years. But after that, I needed to move on. And what I ended up doing is finding financial planning. And I was just fascinated by the concept. And what I ended up doing is I ended up doing something very similar to what you did, is I started going through the yellow pages, I read about how important it was that the person be a CFP, a certified financial planner. So I went and looked through the telephone pages in the San Francisco Bay Area. And anybody who had those initials after their name, I called them up and said, Hey, I'm thinking about making a career change. Can I come in and talk to you? And they were Just wonderful, generous people. And many of them said, yes. I think I probably talked to about 30 different people. And what became clear to me is that 30 different people could call themselves a CFP, but not everybody did financial planning the exact same way. And I found that very, very fascinating. The other thing that you said that also resonated with me is I'm somebody who has been healthy. And then there was a period of time where I also had lower back pain. And all of a sudden, I would have it and then I would go to the doctor, I would take, you know, Advil, I would take whatever I would take. And that seemed to kind of get me through until the next time. And it's interesting that you should say that because I know that the last time I had it, I went and I said, you know what, going to the traditional doctor has not really worked for me. So let me go to a chiropractic and see what they can do for me. I hear they do something a little bit different. So I'm going to roll right into my next question, which is why do people choose to go to a chiropractor rather than a quote unquote traditional doctor?
2: Well, you know, I think that you were kind of uh, touching upon it right there. People are Looking for more of a natural approach to healthcare these days, they realize that uh, health does not necessarily come in a bottle. Chiropractic uh, really is a totally different approach to health in that what we say as chiropractors is we say, look, your body was designed to be self-healing and self-regulating, and it can do that job magnificently as long as there's no interference on your system. And what we mean by interference is we basically, we mean stress on the nervous system and stress can come in all sorts of different different packages, whether it's uh, the kind of stress you think about when I say stress, you know, like financial worries or, you know, fear or anxiety or emotional upset but it can also be physical stress you know, like you were shoveling, you know, bark wrong or something or or snow or or you've been in an auto accident or a slip and fall or a bad pillow or you know, you name it, the list is long but then there's also chemical stresses that we get faced with every day and people don't think about chemical stresses but our bodies are having to process, you know, pollution and pesticides and you know the stuff that we put in uh, foods these days and call food and secondhand smoke and alcohol and all these different things are constantly bombarding our system, Felicia. And the true measure of one's health is how well their body is able to stand up to those stresses of life and thin them off with ease and agility. Too many people find that their nervous systems are so bombarded with stress, their body loses that ability to be able to, be in that mode of self-healing and self-regulating. And then what happens is you end up getting a symptom, low back pain, headaches, you know, sciatica, all these different things start kind of piling up. And what do we do as a society? We run to a bottle, we run to a pill to try to correct the, the problem, which in essence isn't doing anything, but just kind of shutting the symptom up while not even recognizing where it's coming from.
1: So I think you kind of addressed and talked about some of the reasons why a person would go to a chiropractor. And you've also addressed in that same question, some of the problems that a chiropractor addresses. I like the notion that my body is naturally self-healing. I believe that kind of fundamentally. But I had never really heard anybody else really talk about it. I certainly know that when I go to my traditional doctor for my checkups, that's not something that they talk about. They always talk about medicine and whatever kind of solutions that they come up with. But the concept of your body being self-healing is really kind of a new, in my world, approach to the body.
2: Well, you know, it's it sounds radically different, but it's been around for a long time. This what if if you want to really, you know, parse it down to its fundamental core, this is a vitalistic paradigm of healing. Whereas medicine really comes from a mechanistic paradigm of healing. Mechanistic being, you know, like you're going to take A plus B is going to give you C. Again, your health comes from outside you're missing something in your life that you need to take in to make you healthy. Whereas the vitalistic concept is saying, Hey, look, you have everything you already need. You just need to get the stuff out of your life that is interfering with its ability to do its job as effectively as it can. So it's been around for a while, but it's certainly not the drum that has been beating here in our society for you know the past hundred years or so. Medicine has uh, really kind of ruled the roost, if you will. And, So our society is just, you know, I mean, one just has to uh, turn on the television or listen to the radio or open up a magazine and you're constantly bombarded with pharmaceutical messages. So it's no wonder that we we don't think in terms of our bodies being self-healing, even though we kind of intuitively know it.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So tell me about the culture and the heritage of the chiropractic career. You said it's been around for a long time. Could you tell me a little bit about the culture and the heritage of the chiropractic career?
2: Chiropractic history is amazing. (laughs) I love it. I figured this
1: would get you kind of riled up.
2: No, I love chiropractic history. It's, there's, there's so much to it and it's it's so many neat little facets of it and I could talk a long time about it, but you know, essentially chiropractic started in 1895 when D.D. Palmer, the, you know, the, the founder of chiropractic, if you will, he delivered the first chiropractic adjustment in Davenport, Iowa the Ryan building on Brady street. And he, Dee, Dee was uh, what they called a magnetic healer back then. And he was somebody who, you know, already in, in a health profession, if you will, but he was dabbling with this thing that uh, soon became chiropractic. And there was a, a janitor in his building named Harvey Lillard. And he and Harvey were talking one day and Harvey related to him that, you know, he goes, I've been deaf in my, I think it was his left ear for 17 years. And Palmer said, that's really interesting. He goes, but you know, what's really interesting about it is I remember the day that it happened. He goes, I was stooped under that stairwell over there. Something caught my attention and I got up quickly and I hit the upper part of my neck and back and my hearing went out. And Palmer thought it was really kind of wild. And so he, um, according to the history books, reasoned with, with Lillard and, and I guess talked him into laying down on his table and Palmer delivered the first chiropractic adjustment. He palpated his spine and he felt that the vertebrae were out of alignment and he delivered that first adjustment. And according to the history books, soon afterwards, Harvey Lillard could hear the ticking of Palmer's watch and the racket of the wagon wheels on the street below. And I got to think that at that moment, D.D. Palmer thought that he had discovered the cure for deafness. And I'm sure that a lot of deaf people came to, you know, try to get this this healing, if you will. But it didn't really work out that way. The next patient he had had like some heart issues and he was helped with that. and, And Palmer said, wow, something so different. You know, you've got somebody who was deaf on one hand, somebody who has some like heart arrhythmias on the other, or whatever it was, and they both were helped. What's, what's the common denominator here? And so he began to kind of, you know, really put some science behind it and discovered that, you know, it's the nervous system. And so chiropractic really isn't a cure for anything. It's not a cure for a headache. It's not a cure for sciatic or a low back pain or neck pain or anything like that. It simply is trying to optimize the ability for the nervous system to do its job as effectively as possible. And if there happens to be interference on that system, things don't work well. And in some cases, I know it's kind of, it sounds far-fetched, but in some cases, people get their hearing back. And it's just wild. I've seen some pretty radical things happen in my office.
1: That's pretty awesome. So let me ask you the next question, which is, is there a career path to becoming a chiropractor? I know that you went to UC Riverside and then you went to a chiropractic school after that. Is that kind of the career path that most people who become a chiropractor do, do an undergraduate work and then go on and get a doctorate?
2: Yeah. Now, keep in mind, it's been, what, 17 years since I've stepped foot in a chiropractic college, but... Back then, and I, I think it's probably ramped up now, I had a bachelor's of science when I entered into chiropractic college. And I don't believe that you had to have a bachelor's of science back then, but you had to have pretty close to it. Okay. So anybody who's, you know thinking about becoming a chiropractor the best thing to do is to contact the the chiropractic college or university that you're interested in attending and find out the nitty-gritty details because i, I think it's more than just getting like a bachelor's you know they they want you to have taken certain classes so in other words you're getting a degree that's going to have a heavy emphasis in the sciences does that make sense yes So basically, yeah, you need to get your undergraduate work, need to find out exactly what that needs to be. And I'm pretty sure at this stage in the game, it means that you're getting a bachelor's in a science. And then you go to chiropractic college or chiropractic school, or um, there are a number of universities now that have chiropractic programs in them. And that's how you become a a doctor of chiropractic. And you graduate with your doctor of chiropractic degree. And at that point, you're um, free to go out into the world.
1: So is there like a career progression, like you would graduate and then you go out and hang your shingle? Or would you work in a practice? I mean, is it something most of the people I know who are chiropractors seem to have their own practice? And one of the interviews I had the pleasure of listening to from you was a gentleman who was talking about the E-Myth chiropractor. And for me, that was really kind of pivotal because one of the things that had me change the way that I was doing things in my financial planning practice was the whole concept of setting your business up in systems. You know, as entrepreneurs, we like to kind of wing it. In general, but I've definitely noticed that as I've gotten more comfortable with systemizing things, that really helps. So I just want to kind of go back and ask the question: Is there a career path? Do you work under somebody? Do you just go out and open your own shingle? Is there? I mean,
2: yes, yes, and yes.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: um, un- unfortunately, and I'm I'm hoping that this has improved. I have a feeling it hasn't to the degree that I would like it to improve. But there wasn't a whole lot of business training in chiropractic school. There was some, so I I don't want to say there wasn't any. Uh, Certainly, you know what was really interesting, Felicia, was in, and I don't know if this is true, say, in financial planning, but in in chiropractic college, at least the one I went to, I would say about 30% of the students there were over the age of 45, 50. So in, in other words, when I went into chiropractic college, I was like right out of undergraduate. I was a professional student. You know, I knew okay. how to take a test. I knew how to study. I knew how to cram. I, you know, you throw anything at me, I'm ready for it. But, you know, about a third of my colleagues in there were basically coming around to chiropractic as a career change, you know, halftime kind of change for them. So in some ways, they had an extreme advantage because there was a lot of guys there that had already been in some sort of business. They knew the business world. They knew how things worked and I had no clue. I don't know if that's answering your, your question, but basically, yeah, so you mentioned the E-Myth. You know, that's that's an amazing book on on how to run a business. And so if somebody is considering becoming a chiropractor there is a business that has to be run. You can be the best chiropractor on the planet, have all the techniques down, but if you can't run a business, you're not gonna last long. And so when you graduate, there's not a lot of options for the chiropractor other than to go out on their own and open up their own practice. Now, there's various differences. I mean, you you can go into like a group practice and practice with more than one chiropractor, but by and large, you're, you're kind of out on your own. It's not like medicine probably has more options available to the graduating MD, but chiropractors, at least at this state, you can teach, I guess, at a chiropractic college, but there's, you know, there's only so many teaching positions, so... Don't think that that's uh, something to, uh, to be banking on.
1: Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that oftentimes the new chiropractor is going out and going out into the world and they're having to find clients and run a business and all the rest of that. And like financial services, there often isn't a whole lot of training in school that will really prepare you for that.
2: Yes, you crystallize my thoughts beautifully.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is it's an open secret in financial services that a lot of the people who are running financial planning firms today are getting ready to retire. And so there's a lot of people who come into the industry, but it's also an industry that washes a lot of people out, unfortunately. Um, I often will talk to people who, who will tell me I used to be in financial services. And there's a surprising number of people who used to be in financial services because it's an industry that brings in people from all different walks of life. But definitely one of the things that I've noticed over time is the people who are successful are people who know how to build a business or are fortunate enough to be mentored by somebody who has had success in the past and um, has the ego or the lack of ego, if you will, to basically share business rather than trying to build it up. In financial services, you have an industry where you have a lot of type A personalities. So type A personalities, we love to do everything on our own. And we like to tell everybody (laughs) that we've done it on our own. But I think the reality of it is that you have to be willing to learn from other people in order to be successful.
2: Yeah, and, and as you were talking, I just just was reminded that you know there are a lot of chiropractors that will graduate and they're not ready to open up their own place, and so they will associate with another chiropractor. In, in essence, they will work for another chiropractor, maybe a larger clinic, uh, doing some of the uh, the heavy lifting, so to speak, some of the grunt work. Certainly not a way to uh, you know, have a career and raise a family, but it's it's a way to kind of get your feet wet and get more comfortable with the idea of one day going out on your own.
1: Yes, so. Dr. Lamar, Tom, may I ask you if you had the opportunity to tell a young Tom who is just getting started in chiropractic today what you've learned over the last years, what would you tell yourself?
2: Holy cow. That's a good question.
1: I stole that from you.
2: I know. I could tell. (laughs) I could tell. And now it's being thrown in my lap. Um, You know, that is a really good question. And I I, I mentioned when I was, I guess, several questions ago. You know, I I went to chiropractic school pre-Google, pre-internet. So it was very difficult to find out lots of information and really make some good decisions. I went to the best school that I could find that that was in my neck of the woods and made sense. I would say, and I'm not going to put down my my school at all right now. What what I'm going to say is I think it's really important that if you want to go to chiropractic college, you want to become a chiropractor, you need to understand... Not all chiropractors are the same. And I know that doesn't sound, that sounds kind of weird, but there is some tension within our own profession. And that tension is, I've described to you what true chiropractic is. True chiropractic has nothing to do with symptoms. It's really about optimizing the body's ability to work. It's about removing interference to give the body its own inborn ability to do its job as effectively as possible. That's chiropractic. Unfortunately, and largely because of insurance companies, we have compromised a bit and we have changed um, maybe the way we do things to work with the insurance company, which is really a medical model system. And so in other words, we treat under the insurance company umbrella, we treat symptoms, we treat headaches, we treat low back pain, we treat sciatica, we treat these things because you know what? Chiropractic helps with that but it's, very, it's a very small subset of what chiropractic truly is. Now, there are some chiropractors that are really vested in that style of chiropractic, so much so that some chiropractors really want to broaden their scope and involve so many different you know, gadgets and gizmos that they can use to bring to the table to help the patient. And there's nothing wrong with helping a patient. It's just that it's starting to kind of pervert what chiropractic really is. There are some chiropractors that actually want the right to prescribe medication which I think is crazy. If you want to prescribe medication, I don't have anything against that. It's just get a dual degree, become a medical doctor too. Don't try to do a medical doctor's work with a chiropractic degree. So I think that's kind of an issue. But the point is, is that depending on the style of chiropractic that you want to own, that you want to practice, you need to pick a school that's going to reflect that. And so... Not all chiropractic colleges are the same. That's what I'm getting at. And so you need to do your research. And you know, you're going to be investing a pretty good deal of money <laughs> to become a chiropractor. You better spend that money wisely and find the school that's going to best represent what your values are. So then you can be the chiropractor that you truly want to be because nothing is sadder than when you hear about a chiropractor or a chiropractic student that enrolls in a school. They're so excited to be a chiropractor. And then they realize that they're in the wrong place. This is not what I signed up for. You hear what I'm saying there?
1: I do. And what was the episode that you had where the gentleman basically wrote you and said that he was not happy with the school because there was a lot of cynicism and he was dreading it. And then he went out and created a YouTube video, which has been really resonating with other chiropractic students. Could you tell me what that episode was of your show?
2: Yeah, actually, that one was rather recent. That was episode 134. That's on SpinalColumnRadio.com.
1: Right, and we'll and, put a link to that in our show notes.
2: Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> we, we can talk about the podcast hopefully a little bit here because when I started the podcast, I never thought that it would become what it is today. And it was my kind of selfish desire to you know, have this marketing output and try to you know, market to my community to bring in more business. That's what I thought it was going to be. It turned out that it totally flipped. And now I am serving the chiropractic profession. I'm serving chiropractors. I'm I'm giving them fuel and food that they need to be the best chiropractors that they can be. And what's interesting is I have students that listen to the program. That are getting what true chiropractic is for the first time, and I have pre-chiropractic students that that listen that are so excited to one day step foot in a chiropractic college. I never thought that that would happen. So if you're thinking about becoming a chiropractor, as one pre-chiropractic student said, you know, I go to Spinal Column Radio College. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so so and he listens to every episode, and he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a great chiropractor one day.
1: Well, you know, I mean, that's really, as I said, that's really why I created this podcast series is so that students could learn about resources that are out there, where if they were interested in becoming a chiropractic, they would learn about your radio show, your your radio podcast, and be able to listen to it. So this was really designed to be an introductory podcast. However, there's lots of great resources out there, including your show. So I thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let me ask you, what gets you up in the morning to serve your clients?
2: What gets me up every morning is the excitement and the drive to serve my community and to make sure that every woman, man and child has the opportunity to have their spine checked so that their body can exhibit It's full potential. That's what it's really about. It is so amazing, Felicia, to have the opportunity to adjust a child, for example, and to see their body just kind of come back to life. You know, kids that are basically sick and all sorts of different things. And they just like, they just resume normal function. That to me is cool.
1: Well, I could imagine that would be cool, but it's not something that a person like myself, a parent like myself, I've got two girls, it's not the first resource that I would go to in terms of my children. I'd actually have the objection is what is a chiropractor going to do for my daughter?
2: What is a chiropractor going to do for your daughter? Yeah. Well, I mean, this, the same thing that the chiropractor is going to do for you know someone who's of, of any age. We're We're going to check the spine to make sure that Everything is basically lined up. So the nervous system that comes you know, from your brain down the spinal cord and exit out at, at each spinal level is going to have the ability to be on. It's, it's about, you know, everybody understands that to be healthy, you got to eat good food and you got to avoid the bad food. Yes. And you got to exercise and you got to get rest and you know all these different things. But no one stops to consider this missing piece of the puzzle that really is never talked about. And you have to make sure that your power is on. You have to make sure that your brain can properly communicate to the rest of your body. And so when... When somebody you know, has low back pain, for example, what that really is, is a vertebra has gone out of alignment and is putting pressure on the nervous system. And it's causing the body to basically go into a tailspin and it can't get out of it. And it's starting to, to throw out symptoms. And so, one of the
1: symptoms is the lower back pain.
2: The symptom has, happens to, to be the lower back pain. What I'm saying, though, if we're truly practicing chiropractic in the way that it's supposed to be practiced, it has nothing to do with symptoms. We shouldn't even be waiting for symptoms. If you're waiting for some sort of symptom to pop up in your life to tell you, you should go to the chiropractor today, really, you've waited too long. You know, it's, it's kind of like you could look at a car and you can say, oh, those tires look well inflated. But you really don't know unless you're checking them with you know a high caliber little pressure checker, right? Right. And so that's really what the chiropractor is gonna do for your child. When I have kids that, that come into the office, I don't adjust them every time, but I check their spines on a regular basis because I have certain patients, certain families that like to come in on more on a wellness routine. And so we just check them. And if there's something that needs to, be, needs to be adjusted, we adjust it, whether there's a symptom or not. So we can keep that proper flow of of nerve energy, if you will, and it's working the way it's supposed to. So when you say, you know, what are you going to do for my child? Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to kind of keep things running and <laughs> correctly rather than wait for a symptom to, to crop up. You know, certainly if, if your daughter were to, you know, have a slip and fall or some sort of issue like that, you know, definitely let's bring her in. Let's Let's see what went out of alignment so we can put it back.
1: Well, you know, I think that I like the analogy that you used in terms of the tires because, You know, I think that even in traditional medicine, you're seeing that Insurance companies are really starting to emphasize, you know, preventive measures that people can do. So they're putting in programs where your insurance is reduced if you will lose, you know, 20 pounds or, you know, whatever it is, because they're starting to understand that it's cheaper to offer services to people who are in good health as opposed to people who are showing that they're in good health, but really there may be an underlying fundamental problem. So I like the concept of my daughter would come in, visit with you, and just to see, um, to make sure that there's nothing going on.
2: Just get a little, just like a little tune-up, a little check. And you know what? It's so much easier to have people stay well, to help them stay well, than to help them get well. You know, I, there's definitely a certain part of my uh, practice that is not wellness based. And, you know, the people are in pain and they're sick and they're just, you know, their body has been so run down over so many decades of life. Their spine has been so neglected. It's riddled with arthritis that, you know, we have to do a lot of work to kind of dig them out of the hole that they've created. And for the people that, decide to adopt chiropractic as part of their lifestyle. That's really what we're talking about. It's like, do you want to have a chiropractic lifestyle? And for the people that do that, I mean, a lot of them just are so grateful, but not everybody uses chiropractic in that way. You get some people, especially when you have an insurance company involved that says, you know, hey, um, we're gonna allow you to go see that chiropractor for six visits. And that's really using chiropractic in a medical paradigm. It's saying, hey, let's, let's use this chiropractor like an Advil with arms. <laughs> to, you know, to just kind of suppress the symptom and make the person feel good. And, and there, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not true chiropractic. And so I think if you want to be a chiropractor and you truly want to be a chiropractor, even if you want to be a medical chiropractor, like we just were discussing there, going to chiropractic college is not going to be enough there are certain things that you really need to you know do some self-learning with or to go and interview other people to learn to take extra courses on your own. You know, you got to know how to run a business. You, you need some hard business skills. Number two, you know what? You need to know how to communicate. That means that if you have an opportunity to take a, like a public speaking course or more English courses to, so you can write better, I mean, you have to be able to communicate because... Basically, we're trying to communicate a paradigm of health that is foreign to most people in our society. And and I don't want to use the word sell, but in a a way you almost have to sell it to them because they're like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. And so you have to be able to express in, in a language that people can understand. So you have to know how to communicate well. You need to know how to run a business too. So those are two little extra little tidbits that you're going to need because chiropractic college will not be enough.
1: Got it. You know, I'm of the opinion that there's nothing that is basic that is going to be enough. If you want to be a master of your trade, you're going to have to continue learning throughout your entire career. I think it's unfortunate when people stop learning, it puts them in a situation where they're really subject to the whims of the market. But if you're somebody who is constantly taking the time to learn what's new in your market, then whatever happens, if you're working for an employer, you're able to then pivot. I, I share the story about my husband, who uh, was recently laid off from a Fortune 500 company. And when we were looking at new opportunities for him, there was one company that was going to hire him based on what he already knew. And then there was another company who had a additional thing that he could learn. Since we were living in New Jersey at the time and the other job was on the East Coast, he wanted to go with the company that was on the East Coast. But I was saying that first and foremost by moving back to california you will be moving closer to family but the other thing i said is you will be learning something new in this position this is something that employers are going to be looking for not just now but in the future if you stay at the other company you won't learn it and so you will be if you were subject to a layoff you know 5 years 10 years from now you will be in your 50s laid off without that skill set and i was just saying that i thought that it would be more beneficial for him to take the job out in California and it had the bonus of being closer to my family than to pursue the opportunity that was in New Jersey where he wasn't really going to learn anything new.
2: I think that's excellent insight because yeah, the, the, the more that we can kind of push the envelope and step outside of our comfort zone and learn something new, acquire a new skill set or, or challenge the way that we've always done it that way, you have a better... Uh, opportunity then to to serve more people and to excel and to to be ready for that that next change and yeah i i agree and i think it's really important that even as chiropractors we continue to learn actually by law we have to continue to learn we have to get you know a certain amount of hours it changes varies on what state you're in but you know here in washington state you have to get 25 hours of continuing education every year so your learning never stops I guess the question kind of boils down to where are you going to put those 25 hours? You know? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, certainly we, we have certain parameters that we have to follow, but one of the best ways, other than maybe learning some additional chiropractic techniques or kind of working with that, is to kind of, you know, get re revitalized, if you will. You know, you got to listen to those guys that own the chiropractic principle that can help to kind of keep you centered. Because as a chiropractor, one of the challenges you're going to face is you're like an island and you're, you're practicing, you know, this paradigm of health that's radically different from what's just right down the street, what's right next door to you. And, uh, you know, you can kind of get beat up a little bit when you walk out into society and you have all these different messages that you kind of walk through. And so you, n- you need to be able to, I guess, uh, on a regular basis, mingle with like-minded colleagues to, to kind of bolster you up. And I, that's probably true with any profession.
1: It is true for any profession. You know, I mean, one of the things that I had to do at one point in my life was I don't want to – I had to upgrade my friends because there was a certain mentality that was pervading the group that I was hanging out with at that time that I decided was not who I wanted to be in the future. And I almost want to say that it's like that whole analogy of, you know, the crabs in the basket. So, you know, the one crab is trying to climb out and the other crabs that are in it are trying to pull you back into the pot. And that's kind of how I felt. And so I had to change, you know, my interests, the people I was around, the things that I read in order to put myself in a position where I felt like I was really moving forward rather than staying stagnant.
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: So let me ask you, what changes are going on in your industry that person who's considering the chiropractic profession needs to be aware of?
2: Well, I, you know, I've already kind of mentioned it, but it's that tension that exists within our profession of, you know, there's, there's almost like a, there's a split within the profession, but it hasn't formally split. And that is you've got the chiropractors that want to practice kind of the, we'll call it the traditional chiropractic model. And then you've got the chiropractors that want to be more like medicine. Each and every day, even if that means prescribing medications. So becoming more like them. And I it's funny because I've asked my patients this question. I'm always trying to engage my patients in dialogue and get them to think differently, get them to think for themselves too, to ask better questions. And you know, I said, What would you say if I told you that I could starting tomorrow, I could prescribe medications?
1: What did they
2: say? Well, it was you know, it's interesting. I got kind of two different responses. One was like, Oh, that would be really great. No, that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, their their first thing out of their mouth was, "Oh, that'd be great." No, that would be weird because that goes against everything that chiropractic is about. And then I had another guy said, and this was actually a pretty wise reflection. He said, "Let me think about that for a moment." So I worked with him, you know, I adjusted him, and then he got up and he said, "I'd be against it, and this is why." He goes, He goes, you've been working with me for a while. I'm a challenging case. (laughs) And I think that if you had a prescription pad at your side, you would have the temptation when you kind of felt you were up against a challenging roadblock with me, you would have a temptation just to write me a prescription rather than hone and refine your skills and try to figure out why my body's not working the way it should be working. And I thought, wow, you know, that's true. It's a lot easier to write a prescription for, you know, ibuprofen 800 milligrams or Robaxin or, you know, muscle Vicodin than it is to really sit down with somebody and try to just kind of peel back the layers and figure out why they are the way they are. What what happened in their life to get them to this point? And then to work with that person through the skill set that we have as chiropractors to kind of bring them back and revive them and bring them back to a new level of health. So I'm now off track, and I don't remember what the original question was.
1: <laughs> you were—I was asking you what changes were going on in the industry, and you yeah. answered it brilliantly.
2: Yeah. So that's that—that that tension, and unfortunately, if you listen to Spinal Column Radio, you're going to get it. You'll—you'll you'll hear it. <laughs> if, if you listen to enough of it, you'll hear this—the different things that are going on. So anyway.
1: And I'm going to really invite my listeners who are considering going into the chiropractic profession to take the time to listen to Spinal Column Radio. It's a great radio show, and it's really designed for the chiropractic professional and somebody who is considering the industry. So let me ask you one of my last few questions, which is why do you think that being a chiropractor is on the list of the top 100 careers?
2: Because we're awesome.
1: (laughs) Of course, that's it.
2: No, you know I actually I, I kind of knew that you were going to ask this question, and I was thinking about it, and i'm gonna I'm gonna answer it uh, with two different answers. first, I'm gonna tell you why I think we're on the top one hundred, and then I'm gonna answer why I think we should be on the top one hundred, okay? This is why I think we're on the top one hundred, and can you enlighten me who who actually makes this top one hundred list?
1: It's the Jobs Almanac. They rate it based on things like stress and pay and whether or not the industry is growing. So it's about those sorts of things. There's some other parameters that I'm probably leaving out, but it's really about putting together a list of the top 100 careers based on like four or five factors.
2: Okay. So it's looking at the different, uh, dynamics of the demographics in our society and whatnot and things like that. So yeah. this is, this is why I think we're on it. I think we're on it because people, you know, in that, that research industry, they're, they're looking and they're saying, you know what, we've got this set of baby boomers and they're, they're now entering into that kind of those last, you know, years and decades of life. And they're going to be exhibiting a lot of symptoms you know, arthritic pain and all these. And they're going to have to have, you know, a wide base of health practitioners to, to take care of them. And so we need more healthcare practitioners. Okay. And, and we also know that the baby boomers, they're more health conscious. So they're going to be more apt to go for, you know, natural healing methods. That's why I think we're on the list. And I might be wrong. This is Lamar's opinion without a whole lot of research. Okay. okay. <laughs> but this is why we should be on the list. We should be on the list because the healthcare system we're in right now is not working. The paradigm that has been kind of shoveled at us for decades is clearly not working. We spend, as a country, more money on healthcare than any other country, and yet we're one of the sickest. Why is that? How come nobody can kind of you know, compute that? If we throw more money at it, are we going to get more well? No. So I think that what chiropractic has the opportunity when practiced in the way that I've been describing, you know, the traditional way of chiropractic, not mixing it with medicine, what it is truly, you know, getting back to the core of what chiropractic is about. We have a chance to really offer this country a radically different way to approach health and that is you're recognizing that your body is self-healing and it is self-regulating. And for us to start encouraging people to ask better questions when it comes to their health and their bodies, so that they can start to make intelligent decisions and understand how their bodies work, so they can do what they, what, what they can do to, to make their bodies as optimum as possible. And you know, and certainly there is a place for medicine. I hope you're not mis, you know misinterpreting what I'm saying, because medicine, I mean, when it comes to emergency medicine, if my head goes for the windshield of a car, don't take me to a chiropractor. At, okay. least, not, at least not at first, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? If my heart stops, give you know, me to the right medical professional. But I think that, and I don't know where it happened, but medicine basically is just, for the longest time, it's been the answer for everything. And I think that people are starting to kind of wake up and say, whoa, I'm going to try this over here. You know, and it was really interesting. Oh gosh, I don't think I should quote this study because I can't give you, it was the Eisenberg study. And forgive me if I'm a little off on my numbers, okay? Give me some grace here. But in 1989, I believe it was, the medical profession kind of woke up and they're like, whoa, there's a lot of people going to alternative healthcare practitioners these days. And they got a little nervous, okay? (laughs) And so they hired this guy named Eisenberg and Eisenberg went out and he did this massive study to kind of track the healthcare consumption trends of people. And he found out that an incredible amount of money was going to alternative healthcare practitioners, more so than medicine thought. I mean, a massive amount. And I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers. I'm I'm afraid to even kind of throw numbers out because they might be a little off. So what they decided to do, they're like, wow, this could be a danger to society. (laughs) You know, it was a danger to their pocketbooks, really. So what they decided to do was they hired this guy for 10 years to do the same study every year for a whole decade. Cause we want to see if this is just a little fad or is this going to fade out. And what they found was it went from something like $30 million in, you know, in alternative healthcare dollars in 89 to something like 270 million 10 years later. So it, it wasn't just like a fad, it, it logarithmically increased. And what was really interesting about this, and this is why I brought it up was not just to, to spat out numbers was they also asked some very interesting questions, some very telling questions to the participants of the study. And what they found was, by and large, the attitude was, hey, don't take away our medical doctors, but we would like to try this alternative over here first. You know, we have this problem here and we, we'd like to try these alternatives. And if they don't work, well, then we'll default back to medicine. But we don't have anything really against the medical doctors. We just don't want that to be the first line of defense. I thought that was really interesting. And so when you have a study like that, th- that's another reason why we're probably on the top 100.
1: Well, you know, as I've gotten older and have more and more things going on with me, An alternative to the way that I've been handling my health is something that I've looked for, you know, and have been open to and more receptive. Probably also the fact that I'm from California where there's a lot of diversity of thought, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, That gives me exposure (laughs) to all sorts of different types of thinking, a lot of different types of approaches to health and wellness and I just think that may also be one of the things that has contributed because as we've grown older, it's just like, well, whatever we've been doing up to now hasn't been working. And maybe by looking at this other avenue like chiropractic or some of the other disciplines that are out there, I will have a better result than whatever brought me to this stage today.
2: Hmm, That sounds good.
1: So let me ask you... Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with
2: us today? You know, chiropractic college, when I went to it, it was like $120,000. It's a lot of money.
1: Yeah.
2: Now it's closer to 200000 So I'm told that's a lot of money. And it's harder and harder to make that money now because you mentioned, you are know, like what's going on in your profession that we need to know about. Well, let's let's step it out a notch. There's a lot going on in healthcare in general. I mean, this the whole you know uh, national healthcare reform. There's a lot of uncertainty in there, and I don't want to dissuade you from becoming a chiropractor if you feel led and called to do that, because it is an amazing profession. Sometimes I just like I sit in awe. I'm like, I get paid to do this. this is amazing. This is fun. Yeah. I understand that. I just, this this is awesome. And, and I actually was talking with a fellow chiropractor that just the other night. And I said, you know, I was just thinking about if I won the lottery and you know, it was, it was enough money where you could basically say, Hey, you don't have to work anymore. You're done. (laughs) Would I still work as a chiropractor? You know, I think I would, I think I would change the game up a little bit. probably give away a lot of care. (laughs) Right, to, You know, might do some ministry work and stuff like that. But I, it's in my DNA. I, I just love it. So it's an awesome career, but it is an expensive option. If there's any way you can, you know, save up a little bit of money <laughs> before you actually embark on it, you, you got to do your research. You got to be confident in the school that you're going to go to because it is it's a huge chunk of change. And you know what? For me, I was like, well, I want to stay close to home. And so that really limited the schools I could choose. What I realize now is that if I truly wanted to be a chiropractor, I needed to be willing to go to the school that was going to give me the best education to be the kind of chiropractor I really wanted to be. Even if it meant, you know, living out of state or maybe even out of the country. There's some people that go down all the way down to New Zealand to get their chiropractic education.
1: I think that in general, one of the things that I'd like students to kind of come away from in this podcast series is the fact that you need to take the time With the Internet, you know, both of us went to school at a time where the Internet was really kind of at its infancy. But now you can find out a lot of information about future careers that you're interested in simply by just taking the time to search the Internet, find folks who will share their knowledge of the industry with you, uh, read a lot of books so that you can make informed decisions about your career options. I have found that the students who have taken the time to do that prior to even entering college generally have the best result. And from their parents' standpoint, generally their parents are spending less money to get them through because they're not changing their minds multiple times throughout their college experience. Uh, So I think that that's something that is really critical in today's student. So let me just ask you to share as my final question, ways for people to get more information about yourself, uh, your practice, and of course, your podcast series, which I think is tremendous.
2: Well, thank you for the ability to plug my podcast. Yeah, I think the podcast would be probably the best resource for somebody who's listening right now, who's really considering becoming a chiropractor. And I was just thinking, I know you've been listening to some of my my episodes, like Dr. Matt Hubbard said, you know, if you're listening to Felicia's podcast right now, you're probably the kind of person that's going to put the research in to, you know, delving into the profession that you really want to go into. So I think that you're probably already on the right track uh, spinalcolumnradio.com is the website to go to that's where uh, my podcast lives and uh, we've been doing it now since uh, January 1st 2010 and it's been, it's been an incredible ride i love doing it you can also visit my my practice website if you want to get a little more information on chiropractic maybe from more of a, a lay perspective and that's at anchorchiropractic.net and so those are two ways. And if you, of course, if you want to get in contact with me personally, I, I would love to talk with you and you can get in contact with me either through the anchorchiropractic.net website or the SpinalColumnRadio.com website.
1: Well, Dr. Thomas Lamar, I have to tell you, this has been an awesome interview from my perspective, because to be honest, I didn't know a lot about chiropractic, even though I have been to chiropractors in the past. I failed to take the time to ask them questions about their training or any of those sorts of things. And one of the things that I think I'm very fortunate to have with this series is the opportunity to interview people who love what they do and you can hear it throughout this entire interview. And I thank you very much for your time today.
2: Thank you, Felicia. It's been a pleasure.
1: All right. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career
0: 100 Podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.